We want to thank uh, Pastor Thomas for inviting us here today and the warm welcome that we've had from each and every one of you who've walked in and, and shook our hand. It's just a, a, really a, a blessing to us, and we just thank you for that. We are John and Diana Kennedy. Uh, we're the Assemblies of God U.S. Missions and Pendell District Field Representatives for Church Mobilization and RV Volunteers. Now, you may know what that is, you may not know what that is, but we're going to just kind of uncover it a little bit for you. At Church Mobilization, we help to organize church teams, RV volunteers, and uh, individuals to take an active approach in the expansion of God's kingdom. Diana and I serve as project managers to build teams, to equip and guide them through church projects, and to complete them in a timely and economic fashion. Churches and ministries across the nation have been able to overcome the obstacles that they face and mobilize for ministry by becoming church projects under church mobilization. For over 35 years, Mission America Placement Service, also known by many as MAPS, that may be a name that you've heard, U.S. MAPS, has been recognized by AG Churches as the volunteer army of special labor assistance in building churches, maintaining existing buildings and facilities, assisting in special projects and evangelism. However, only a few knew that U.S. MAPS was an arm of the U.S. missions of the AG Church. Some folks actually thought that we made maps, and they just wondered what kind. <laughs> so it, it, it really was not uh, indicative of what we do. It was not real descriptive of what we do. So the name was changed to Church Mobilization. Church Mobilization um, is more of a moving name, and uh, it, it kind of launched us into what we do now and where we are now. But church mobilization, we will continue to compel RV volunteers and church teams to build churches and save lives. So how does this pertain to us as women? Because when you hear John speak, you think, oh boy, I can't do that, right? I can't climb ladders and put on roofs and rip out carpets. That's not all it is. If God has called me, he can call you. Amen. And believe me. You know, we all have our past and we all have our stories, but God uses each and every one of us. If you listen to his call and you say yes, he will change your life for the better. All right, so he calls us to follow the Great Commission. We are all called to seek ways in which we can serve, which was surely exemplified by Jesus in his life. Sir, I, he's just filling me. I'm just like, I'm trying to say this, Lord, and he's just going, okay. But, you know, the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve others. So, therefore, he's called us to serve others in his name. We all have skills. And I just ask you, if you don't know what they are, to pray about what they are. Learn what God is telling you and then go for it. Because we are not meant to sit in these pews. You know, the church is out there. Church is really not in here. This is a building. I think we learned that through the whole COVID thing was, you know, everybody thought we don't go to church anymore, but it's not about this building. It's about having the heart of Jesus in you and taking it out there. The mission field is out the door. So Amen. I'm just asking you guys to join us. 
Oh, okay. So we would love for, to have you join us and become the hands and feet of Jesus, women, by ex extending hospitality, providing housekeeping, cooking. And these guys get real hungry when they're working, and they need us to cook them a good meal, um, which Pastor Thomas and his crew surely did when we were here. It was amazing. <laughs> Administrative skills, leadership skills, prayer. We pray over our teams every time they go out there. You know, that we wrap them in the protection of the Lord and evangelize out on the streets as well as building projects. If you are handy and you can take up that hammer and that nail, come on, let's do it. You know, so God commanded us to discover our gifts and then use them. There is no one size fits all in this ministry of church mobilization and our ministry is diverse as we are as people. So, oh, did you? I didn't hit the thing. It didn't move. Okay. We'll hit it as we ask. All right. Well, I had a, I guess we have a blip, but I had a lot of pictures showing what the women um, were doing. This is. Maybe they can activate the, uh, oh, there the slide. Goes. There we go. Yes. Okay. Um, one of the things I do in the ministry is I run a children's program at the Bongiorno Conference Center. Um, so I run a class there. Um, there's some of the women putting the TV together. We participated in the missions group in the top there where I was, re I was represented of Eurasia, right? mm -hmm. Czech Republic Czech I had. Republic, yeah. I do some administrative things in offices. We clean bathrooms and toilets and tubs. We knock down trees, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we paint. And here we are up on ladders and we're, um, what is it, power washing the building and then we painted it. And, cleaning and helping the district with all of their conferences. So you just have a heart for missions. We just call you out and come on and we'll just make it happen. <laughs> Ladies are mighty. Don't <laughs> let anybody fool you. We have uh, right here in New Jersey, a young lady in her 90s, about this tall, that gets out there and swings hammers with the best of them. She runs circles around folks and she loves it. Uh, she's an RV volunteer. She's tough enough that she doesn't have an RV. She sleeps in a tent. It just amazes me. Her name is Eliza, and I hope you have an opportunity to meet her. She's just uh, really ins inspiring. As part of the church mobilization initiative, we no longer find it necessary to have to have an RV to get involved, okay? As a matter of fact, three, three quarters of our church ministry team are from church teams, folks like yourselves, who are skilled, who are unskilled but willing to put your hands to the plow and build God's church. As volunteers on a church team, you have the opportunity to help the local church grow. What we do is we save finances by providing free labor. Now, those finances now can be taken and put into other ministry programs for outreach to be able to go out and spread Jesus's great commission. So it's, it's something that really loosens up your ability to be able to go out and outreach into the community. Church mobilization has been mission-minded from the very beginning. Our hardest for the church is not to just give to missions, but to be the mission. Sending church teams, trade-skilled individuals, RV volunteers, and unskilled workers willing to serve as complete projects 
for AG churches, facilities, and schools across the nation. Over the decade, church mobilization has saved AG Church literally millions of dollars. Uh, we have a, a case study of one church in Arizona that over two decades has saved almost $10 million in their program. They have grown like wildfire. They started with nothing in the desert. They have about six buildings right now, uh, and their church is in the thousands. It's just truly amazing what God can do with just a little bit of motiv motivation and a little bit of uh, elbow grease from us. You know, so we, uh, we just welcome you to come along. Historically, God's people have always come out in force to build and maintain God's house. As the people of Israel were advancing towards the promised land, God called for a place of worship where he could dwell with them at each point of destination along the way. Along with the Ten Commandments and other laws that were given to Moses on the mountain, God also instructed him to build a temple, a mobile tabernacle for him to, um, for him to not necessarily live in because God really doesn't need that to live in, but for him to dwell amongst his people, for the glory of God to be seen in their midst all the time. <clears throat> God called out Moses and appointed Bezalel and Holiab for this task. The Spirit of God filled them with great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. God made them master craftsmen, experts in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He gave them skills in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. They became masters of every craft. Then the Lord gave both, he and Oholiab, the ability to teach their skills to others. We really need some good mentors for our young folks to lead them along the way and to show them how to work with what God has given them. So in this, they were to become uh, mentors to others and to come alongside of the construction of the tabernacle. God also called every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, everyone whose heart stirred him to come to build a house of God house of God. Instruction was given for the scope of work for every part of the project. We really shouldn't concern ourselves if we don't feel we're qualified to serve. We have an example here where God shows us that he will put the skill into us. He will give us the talents that we need. You know, God doesn't call the qualified. He always qualifies the called. All the work was performed that the Lord commanded, and Moses blessed them. The finished tabernacle was erected on the first of the month, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle before anyone was allowed to go in. You know, so many times we're in such a rush to get in and worship. Do we really take time to welcome in the Holy Spirit, to give him preferential seating, to let him know that we are just so glad he's here, and to welcome him into this place? I could tell that he's here because that worship was just uh, really inspiring. You know, we just really en enjoy being here and being in his presence. Many years later, David's wish was to build for God a permanent house of cedar 
stone and uh, more hardscape products. But it was not in God's plan for King David to build his temple. Instead, God created a covenant with him to bless his house forever and that his children, his son, would build the temple. So as Solomon grew, David handed over the plans that were given to him that God instructed, and he gathered materials. Solomon created a a draft and brought in labor throughout all of Israel. And because of his his great wisdom and and, uh, the fact that he just knew so many people that, that really admired him, he had allies all around. He called on King Hiram, who was uh, from Tyre in Lebanon, and made a deal to work with him to send laborers to the coastline, and uh, King Tyre would bring cedars from Lebanon, uh, and they would barter for those services. King Hiram's father was skilled and full of wisdom, understanding and expertise in working with bronze. He made a lot of beautiful things for the temple and for Solomon's house for the Lord. Later on, um, things didn't go so well for Israel. They kind of backslid a little bit. Uh, They were taken out of the promised land and sent into exile in Babylon for a period of time. And King Cyrus of Persia overtook Babylon and understood who God was. And he put out a decree that all exiles, all Israelis that uh, were exiled from their land would go back. And he gave them provisions. He gave them the gold uh, implements from the temple that had been taken gave them all sorts of support, and he told them that they would have support of gold, silver, uh, beasts uh, to help them along the way from the men in their area. So that was set up that Ezra and Nehemiah would take these groups, and they would start the journey back to their home. Ezra had the uh, responsibility of working on the temple, and he brought skilled laborers to do so. Nehemiah had more of the responsibility of building the wall and securing the city again. Uh, It was really an amazing thing to see. Um, What Nehemiah did is he had uh, the high priest first start out reconstructing the doors in front of their place. And he had each family work on the wall or work on the doors that were right in front of their home. Kind of giving them a something to be vested in, providing security for the city, but also security for their families. It's very clever. Now listen to this, young, young men and women. They gave the responsibility to supervise the work to those 20 years and older. So if you think you're too young, you're not too young. With God, facts don't count. He'll bring you the knowledge, the wisdom, and the fortitude to to put it through. The first order of business was to erect the altar, to offer daily sacrifice, worship, and praise to God, 
Preparations have been made for the Israeli people, the Israelites, to continue the daily sacrifices and to keep the, the feasts and the fruit off, first fruit offerings as prescribed by God through Moses. You know, sometimes we don't always have our, our perspective correct. You know, we see the things that we want and we make plans and sometimes God chuckles. But uh, we, uh, do we put worship first? Now, here they were. They were moving into a city to secure the city, to build God's house. But the first thing they did is to make provision for worship, to be able to praise God for what he's done, recognizing that they would still be in exile if it weren't for his hand. Tremendous. At that time, the work in the foundation had not been begun yet. So Zerubbabel and Yeshua and the rest of their kinsmen started to work on the foundation. Now, this is the work that they appointed for the Levites 20 years or older to oversee and to, to supervise. Once the foundation stones had been laid, the priests came forward. I love this. They came forward rejoicing with trumpets and Levites with cymbals, and they sang praises to the Lord. You know, how many times have we read that uh, the worship leader and the, and the worship team would go out in front of the armies? You know, what faith and understanding and knowing that they would be protected. But using that weapon of praise to go ahead of the work. As with many large projects, in this case, adversity struck when some of the surrounding peoples were unhappy. They had had this land all to themselves, and they were unhappy with the progress that the Israelites were making and building the wall and the temple and settling in on, on what they may have even seen as prime property. You know, it was on a, a good, good mountain where uh, security would be a, at a premium. So what they did is they came in deception, kind of sheep in wolf's clothing. And they came offering help, but really with sabotage in mind. They wrote letters to the king, to King Artaxerxes, telling lies and falsehoods about what's going on there and, and their disloyalty to, to the crown. Well, it did stop the work for, for a short time, and it looked like that they had uh, hit a wall, pardon the pun. You know, there may be occasions when our faith may fade as we believe that God's plans are seeming to dry up. You know, Diane and I just came back from our uh, RV family reunion. It's held every year in Carlinville, Illinois. It's a nice ride out there uh, when things go well. We unfortunately broke down twice on the way. Uh, we had about a four-day staycation for a little bit while we were waiting for it to get uh, repaired. But uh, we had a great time out there, learned a lot of things, gathered a lot of information, made some new friends. Uh, on the way back, we broke down again, just west of Columbus, Ohio, on Route 70 East, the truck just died, and we pulled over to the side of the road just below the crest of a hill. We knew there was a rest area there, there was a sign, we thought, okay, we're, we can make it, and it stopped. 
And that was it. So what do we do? We prayed. We held hands. We prayed about it and said, Father, this is your ministry. What are you going to do? Help us out here. Turn the key. Let's start it up. We made it over the crest of the hill with the truck and the RV, and it died again. So God gave us a push, and we rolled downhill and coasted right into the, the security of the rest area. Now, notice I didn't say the, the peace and quiet of the rest area. We were kind of nestled in between a couple of uh, semis, and uh, it was noisy for a couple of days. We were there for two days. Um, didn't know a lot of people out there. Uh, our um, missionary supervisor uh, was actually uh, busy on a project and then was speaking at a church. And uh, fortunately, he had gotten our message, and right after his, his talk, uh, he gave us a call, he stopped by, and we started putting our heads together, and he started calling everybody he could think of. Well, he was able to uncover a, a gentleman to come and to tow the RV up to the uh, district campground in Ohio. He, this, this gentleman drove two hours to get to us. He hooked up, and he drove an hour north to get to the campground, and then he drove two hours home. What a heart. What a heart. His pastor paid for all the gas and, and everything that he would need along the way. We did have AAA, so we were able to get the, the truck towed to a diesel shop. And uh, we had another staycation for a few days. So we spent the next two days trying to see how we can get all these things home. How are we going to get the RV home without a truck? How are we going to get the truck home you know, without a, a tow or something like that? So we're searching for uh, vehicles that uh, we can rent that would have that kind of hookup. And evidently, uh, a few years back, there were some insurance issues and some uh, injuries, and they just don't rent that type of setup anymore. Uh, and this was the case with all of the, the trucks that we found. We did find one commercial one that would do that for us. Minimum rental was uh, three months, and there were several pretty hefty fees on it because it's a commercial uh, application. So we spent those two days just diligently looking for any option, anything that we can do. Even though we were safe where we were, it was a beautiful campground there. Their hospitality was just amazing. You know, it was really, really good. Well, when we had got to the point where we just didn't know what to do, you know, we, we prayed, we thought, we, uh, you know, did what we thought we, we could do. And all of a sudden, I get a call. Our maintenance supervisor at the camp that we live in, Bongiorno Conference Center, it's uh, right in uh, the heart of, uh, or actually in the outskirts of Carlisle, Pennsylvania. It's in a beautiful wooded area, about central in the state. He called up and he says, we're formulating a plan. He says, I'm going to come out and haul your RV home and get you guys home. And we thought, great. You know, once we do that, then I can figure out how I can go back and get the truck once it's, once it's repaired. Well, that same day, we heard from the shop, and the shop was telling us, well, it's not as simple as you think. Uh, they told us we had two options. They could try to fix it at a price of about $16,000, or they could replace it with a brand-new motor from Ford 
with a three-year warranty, 36,000 miles, for $22,000. Well, if they had said $20, I don't think we'd have it at that point. <laughs> you know, so we had spent so much repairing it on the way out, and we spent uh, fuel and, and whatnot. It was not running the best, so it, it, it ran a lot more fuel than we expected. So we knew at that point, we just told them, listen, just put it back together and, and we'll take care of whatever the bill is right now. Now out of a, uh, an evening of maybe an hour or so troubleshooting and a couple hours the next day, it was almost $1,000. So diesels are pretty expensive. They're not, they're not cheap. So we still had the problem of, well, what are we gonna do? At that point, we got another call from Durrell. Durrell said, we have the plan in place. I'm coming out to get your RV. My brother's bringing his truck. He brought a flatbed trailer from his neighbor, and we're coming out to get you. So we just praise the Lord. We sent out emails to everyone. The cavalry is coming. <laughs> we're going to be rescued. It's just, it was amazing. So now we could take a deep breath, knowing that God had put things together, that as hard as we tried, our plans were really kind of futile, but God always has a better plan. God will always come through. At those moments that we think that he's kind of given up, maybe given up on us, you know? Those are the moments I think he wants us to just fall into him, have faith that he's going to handle the situation, and he always, always does. We've had so many of these type of experiences along the way in, in ministry that it has not been difficult relying on God and knowing that we're in the best hands that we could be in, no matter the circumstance. You know, as a matter of fact, it, we, could, we could sit here and probably spend the next week telling you stories about spiritual warfare and things that have happened since we decided to go into ministry. But it got to the point where we would just look up and you know, say, Lord, this is yours. And then we'd call out to Satan and say, is that the best you got? You know, is that it? So Friday, uh, actually Thursday night they came. They, uh, uh, the uh, hospitality of the campground was just phenomenal. They gave them a, a room to stay. Uh, they gave us comp on, on the spot that we were in for the few days. Uh, they offered us food. They offered us respite. Uh, they asked many times, what can we do for you? You know, it was just, uh, it was just mind, mind-blowing. So Friday morning, we set out, put air in the tires, kicked them a little bit, hooked up, and we left. Went down and picked up the truck, and we got on the road. Now, these two gentlemen drove seven and a half hours to get there. Okay. But that wasn't the whole story. Darrell finally told us that he took this idea into Carl, who was the director of the camp, and he told him what they were going to do. We have this plan. And Carl said, well, go get him. He said, but you're not doing it alone. And he reached into his pocket, took out a credit card, and handed it to him and says, whatever expenses you have, fuel, food, tolls, whatever it is, use this. The family that we have found in the Assemblies of God Church 
and at Bonjournal Conference Center has just truly humbled our hearts and blown us away. We have found such help and love and care from these people, much more so than our regular family. Um, it's just truly humbling. And it's an honor to be there working with them. You know, when, I, when we tried to thank them, Terrell looked at me and says, well, isn't that what we're supposed to do? And he always has this saying, it's the least I can do. What do you mean it's the least you can do? You're the one that's extending yourself and you're helping us. But he's got such a heart. It's the kind of heart that we all need. It's the kind of heart that, that when there's something to be done with the church, when there's a need here, we should be the first in line saying, yeah, pastor, what can I do for you? What do you need? What has to be done? This is God's house. And we have the privilege of being able to come here on Sundays, Sunday evenings, Wednesdays, any time that we get together, we have the privilege of being able to come here and worship. That is awesome. That is awesome. You know, as these, uh, as these gentlemen were trying to sabotage the Israelites, they came back around thinking that they'd stopped their progress. But uh, a couple of... Uh, a couple of prophets got up and started encouraging and saying, listen, this isn't over yet. This is God's house. God will provide. God will protect. We need to get up and do our job. So they did just that. The Israelites got up. They started working on the job again, pushing forward. And, of course, that rattled the chains of the folks around them. And they came back and said, who gave you permission to, to start again? King told you to stop. Well, here's what they said. I'm going to read it because I'll probably butcher it otherwise. Um, I think I mixed up my pages here. Excuse me just one second. Uh, yeah, I think it's back here. Well, I guess I'm going to have to give it, a, give it a whirl. Essentially, what they told them is, is that you have no place here to help us with the building of, of God's temple. He said that this temple was built long ago by a great king of Israel, put together for the Lord. He said that Israel fell short and didn't stay after what God had planned for them. Because of this, they were sent into exile. Babylon took them away to their place. They tore down the temple. They tore down the walls. They took all of the gold and silver. They took all the implements from the, from the temple. And Jerusalem was left in ruins. He said, but Cyrus, in the first year of his reign, King Cyrus of Persia made a decree that we would go back and rebuild our temple because he knew who God was. So I'm sure if you look in the archives, you'll find this decree, and that's why we are building this temple. 
So they wrote down, the governor wrote down every word that they say because he figured he's going to send this back to the king, and that's really going to get him in trouble. He thought that that was really going to ruffle the king's feathers, and, and uh, he'd come down in force. Well, the king did the smart thing. He went into the archives, and he found the decree, and he read through it. And he sent word back to the governor. He says, don't you dare interfere with these folks or there will be punishment. So the Israelites kept going. Nehemiah instructed his, um, his workers to stand ready at the wall, to continue your work, holding a tool in one hand, but a sword in the other. And you know, that's the same thing that we need to do with our work. When we go out of these doors and we go out into the community, we need to carry our sword, the Word of God, okay, while we're using our tools and our day-to-day jobs. We need good Christian people in, in these jobs. We need good Christian peoples in politics. We need good Christian people everywhere that are willing to go out and share the Word. Just tell your testimony. It's so easy. You know, I always thought that I had to be a big orator and I had to be a really good preacher and all this kind of stuff, and I didn't know how I was going to do that, you know, not even realizing in my mind that if God wanted that to happen, it would. But you don't have to do that. All you need to do is just tell your story. You know, more people are going to be saved and impressed by your story. There are people that you and you and you and you can reach that nobody else can because of your story because they're going through the same thing. It's that simple. It's that easy. So there are a few things. Paul tells us, never be lazy, but to work hard and serve the Lord. Okay, in Corinthians 12, 4 to 6, we read, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but he's the same God who does the work in all of us. Timothy 4.14, God commands us, do not neglect the gift that you have. You know, we should never be afraid to use the gifts that we have. First of all, they've been, been given to us by God. Who can come against it, you know? And we might just amaze ourselves that God could use a vessel like us with all of our cracks and our dents but it's his power and his glory that comes through if we just open ourselves and allow it and sometimes get out of the way. <laughs> First Peter, we read that as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Romans 12, 6 to 8, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as you can. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. 
It's so simple. You know, when we do what God has purposed for our lives, there is an unspeakable joy that you can't get anywhere else by just following his plan, following the purpose that he has laid for you, staying on the path that he has made specifically for you.